brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Beth Vargas, I'll see you back in an hour. And we start with breaking news. One hour until the 24-2024 Republican Iowa caucuses live in Des Moines with our full team of reporters spread out across all of the candidates' campaign headquarters and a few caucus sites as well. Tonight will be the first test of organization and enthusiasm for each campaign. Turnout will be pivotal. In Iowa, as much of the state is experienced, as you heard, sub-zero temperatures, otherwise known as January <laughs> in Iowa. With that, we welcome you to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, it is actually the race for second place. Never before in their lives have journalists and pundits spent, it says here wasted, I'm not sure exactly wasted, but certainly spent more time talking about who will come in second. Nikki Haley's surge and Ron DeSantis's plunge in the polls intersect at the perfect moment to create drama on caucus day. As the famous Al Michaels once said, as commentators, we all root for drama. Axios reports the race for second as the battle for the suburbs, battle for the burbs. The late rush in Iowa is a snow-covered version of election battles to come across the U.S. in 2024, as both parties fight for voters in suburbs that aren't heavily Republican red or Democratic blue. That's where Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have spent the final time, especially Nikki Haley in the suburbs, making their final pitches to voters. When you look at the responsibility that Iowans have today, they get to set the tone on where they think the country should go. And that's an awesome responsibility. Now's our time uh, to, to seize the moment. Uh, you know, we can sit there and complain about all this stuff going on with the country. When you have an opportunity to do something about it, we spoke with Nikki Haley, that conversation a little later in the show, including whether Nikki Haley would pick Donald Trump as her vice president. We'll get to the Trump campaign in a moment, but first a quick reminder on how these caucuses work. Folks are already starting to line up, and rather than casting a ballot during voter hours, there are 1,600 caucus sites across the state. You have to attend in person, Someone gets up and makes a speech to promote their candidate in a small group before the votes are held. The events are run by political parties instead of a state election commission. And here's what is at stake. There are 40 delegates up for grabs in the state of Iowa. That's the 24th highest count in the nation. The results tonight will answer two important questions. One, is there a Trump alternative among Republican voters? And number two, who is it? 
We start tonight with Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor. It's nice to see you, my friend. Good to be with you, doctor. There we go. Uh, is there an alternative to Donald Trump in the Republican electorate? Uh, sure. Um, there are there there are many. The question is: Is the Republican electorate ready to try something different? Um, but I want to I want you to think about this possibility. This may be the last Iowa caucus. Uh, the Democrats are done here. We heard uh, the chairman of the Iowa Republican Party, uh, Kaufman, in here earlier today talking about. It's going to be effective, it's going to be efficient, it's going to be transparent. There's a couple of kinds of drama we're looking at. There's one kind of drama that is who's in second, how far, what's Trump's lead, all of that stuff. But then there's this question, can they actually do it, right? Eight years ago, in this very room, I sat, and it was not super, right? They not were not, super pretty. They were not super at getting things counted and reported and back in here. The Democrats had such a catastrophe four years ago that when Joe Biden came to pull the plug on their caucuses, uh, there was very little pushback. They were kind of relieved. This is, as you just explained, a weird institution. And it's not like what most Americans are used to. There's high pressure on the Republican Party of Iowa tonight to do a good job. Their choice to hold it on Martin Luther King Day uh, may end up being a great one, may have high turnout, may have low turnout. The fact that they've chosen a day through no fault of their own where the weather is stinky, uh, that's going to affect turnout. So all of that is what we weirdos are going to be watching. As it's, a second, it's a layer cake of drama. Layer cake of drama. Look, the biggest drama, though, is who comes in second and by how much, right? Right. Give us the two pass if Ron DeSantis comes in second, if Nikki Haley comes in second, looking forward. So if Ron DeSantis comes in second, uh, I won't say that it is a fatal blow to Nikki Haley's chances to be the, the in the final pairing with Trump, but pretty close. Uh, and that's the weird thing about expectations. A few months ago, Nikki Haley was in fifth place or whatever. She was she was not a contender, and she was uh, running behind even people like Tim Scott and sometimes Mike Pence. Um, and in a, the snap of your fingers, she has gone from, hey, third place would be pretty good to third place would be a disappointment. She has a lot of parallels with Marco Rubio, the candidate who she endorsed in 2016. And when Marco Rubio finished third in Iowa, uh, that was not what he was looking for, right? Marco right. Rubio wanted to be second so that he could bring some momentum into New Hampshire and do all that other stuff. If Haley finishes third here, it, it will put a damper on it, and it will keep DeSantis in the race longer. If Nikki Haley is going to finish second, mm -hmm. it is going to be because of the urban, if you want to call them, yeah. that exists in Iowa, but yeah. the suburban counties, sure. uh, better educated, a little bit wealthier around Des Moines, around Davenport. Sure. And this concept that you're going to get Pete, Democrats and independents who can switch affiliation, register on the same day, yep. and come and support her. We asked her about that last night. Take a listen. You saw perhaps the Axios reporting about Democrats and independents coming over for the Iowa caucuses. A lot of Iowans saying, hey, I'll register same day and switch to vote for Nikki Haley, maybe an anti-Trump vote. Do you welcome that? I do welcome it because you, we want to win a majority of Americans. That's why you see in every poll, head-to-head -head with Biden, I crush Biden. Can you run a general election campaign as her stump speech seems to be in a primary? Well, I think the voters that she's reaching out to, the people that she's that she's talking to, here's here's how the state breaks down. Trump will win the rural parts 
overwhelmingly, especially in the western part of the state. In the small towns and the exurbs, DeSantis should do pretty well. And in places like here in Polk County, uh, Nikki Haley should do very well. And for her, her voters are going to be more affluent and more educated. Uh, and that means they're higher propensity voters. They're higher turnout voters. The thing about these crossover Democrats, and I've heard it a lot out here. I've heard a, a bunch of people say it as I've been out here. I've had people tell me that they were going to do it themselves. Here's the thing. That only really has an effect if it's a low turnout contest. If Trump gets the race that he wants and there's 175,000 people turnout, you know, if 4,000 Democrats switch over and go do that, it won't make much difference. But if we get numbers like we got back in 2004, 2008 for Republicans, where you only have 120 or 130,000 people showing up, then that 3,000 switching over, that is, that is very consequential. So Haley, definitely, if, if, if you're rooting for Nikki Haley, you want to see people People staying home and watching the Steelers rally to come back and defeat the Bills, not uh, going out to caucus tonight. N noteworthy that the NFL moves their games <laughs> for the weather, but the Iowa caucus That's does right. not move. That's right. Mr. Tywalt, good to see you, see sir. You soon. We'll, we'll be all together tonight. Uh, Donald Trump lost the 2016 Iowa caucus to Ted Cruz, a night that Mr. Tywalt remembers well, because he lost the evangelical vote. Trump told our reporter Libby Dean that he learned a lot from that loss. 2016, we had tremendous support, but we really didn't have a ground game. We had never done that before. And you know, we had a group of people, but they weren't really a ground game. Uh, we were doing very well in terms of popularity. We learned actually a lot from Iowa. Evangelicals now love Trump from Axios. Tectonic shift in power. How MAGA pastors boost Trump's campaign. And from the Washington Post, ordained by God. Trump's legal problems galvanize Iowa evangelicals. The three counties we're going to be watching closely, Sioux, Dubuque, and Potawatomi, all three are areas Trump wants to win big. But DeSantis has made a strong push in those counties. Let's look at it a different way. We managed to get through Chris Steyerwalt's interview without any food references. I will give you one myself. Evangelical voters have a choice between new Coke, which is Ron DeSantis, versus regular Coke, that being the former president. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee won Iowa in 2008 by cornering the evangelical vote and joins us now. Governor, what do you make has changed so much in eight years that the evangelical vote that was so Trump skeptical, so much so that in the general election they had to, he had to bring on Mike Pence, is now Trump's base? I think a lot of people don't understand that evangelicals are not monolithic. They don't vote as a block. Uh, they don't even vote solely on religious issues. They are unapologetically pro-life. That is incredibly important. And they're pro-Israel. Those are the two political issues that define them. But for the most part, evangelical voters are middle-class voters. They vote on the issues that affect them at the dinner table. They vote on groceries and gasoline like everybody else. But those other issues are important. Donald Trump in his presidency, won evangelicals over, not because they thought they were going to be see seeing him in church on Sunday. They knew they weren't. But he got things done that mattered to their community. And I do believe that that's why he's going to have a great night tonight in Iowa. What 
do you make of this messianic-like view by evangelicals of Donald Trump? So much so, and look, to be fair, anybody who's viewed as a messiah by his followers is going to play into that a little bit. But they they embrace it as well. At the rally I was at on Saturday, on Sunday, he played a video that had been made. It's a it's a it's a theme of you know Paul Harvey's. So God made a farmer. So God made Trump. Take a look. And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker, so God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. So God made Trump. You know, I would look at that with tongue in cheek. Here's the thing. Evangelicals don't believe Donald Trump is the Messiah. They don't believe that. Now, you want to go back a little bit? There were a lot of Democrats who really did believe and maybe still do that Barack Obama was the Messiah. But evangelicals don't put some kind of uh, messianic view toward Donald Trump. They just want someone who will be effective, who will fight for their rights of basic religious liberty, and for the most part, have a government that leaves them the heck alone. And that's what they haven't had with some of the Democrats, like Joe Biden, who wants to force some of his social agenda on churches, church camps, Christian universities. They know what's at stake, and they watch what's happening to Donald Trump. They look at Joe Biden's administration using the full force and levers of the government uh, to quash anyone who disagrees with the official party line of the Biden administration, and it scares them. And they think that the one person who will stand up and fight back is Donald Trump. It's really pretty simple. Is there an issue here of fighting back or fighting for? Because there's a there's a difference, right? Because Trump will tell you uh, the Biden administration is coming after after all of you and I'm just standing uh, in the way. And he spoke to that uh, at the rally yesterday. Take a listen. These caucuses are your personal chance to score the ultimate victory over all of the liars, cheaters, thugs, perverts, frauds, crooks, freaks, creeps, and other quite nice people. In 2016, he ran on issues that mattered to the forgotten voters, right? That, that Obama had scorned for eight years, the, the deplorables, whatever, you know, the, those who cling to their guns and religion. Is, is there a lane to run, though, for retribution? Well, you know, I think he had an interview the other night on Fox News. He was very clear. He said, no, I don't have time for retribution. That's not what I'm going to be doing. I thought it was a brilliant way that he phrased it. Uh, Will he try to reverse some of the trends that are, quite frankly, really, truly a threat to the democracy that we hear about all the time? The threat to the democracy? My gosh, I hope so. Because if we don't have a Justice Department that treats people equally, the country's gone. And I think a lot of people recognize that, whether they're evangelical voters or not. But what Donald Trump really can do is not just fight uh, for all those American people, those workers who stand on hard concrete floors every day and lift heavy things, and he's fought for them, and they know it. And he made their 
paychecks better by the policies that he instituted. Hmm. People don't forget that, and they know what it costs to buy Governor, bacon, I, bread, I'm and butter Governor, I'm told your today. shot is going to go to black in about 15 seconds because <laughs> you are an in-demand man, especially on caucus night in Iowa. We're going to let you go. We thank you. We'll talk along the, along the way, you. sir. All right, live look at Trump headquarters in Des Moines, Iowa. When we come back, second place is first place loser. But in Iowa, it gives you a ticket to New Hampshire rather than a flight home. What we found out of the rallies for each candidate as we visited that you can't understand unless you travel the frozen tundra of Iowa. As Iowans, we want to hear people talk. We want to hear what they have to say. I want somebody that's level-headed, will think about things before they do them, and won't act, react. We're less than an hour from the state of the 2024 Iowa Republican caucuses. We are in the state of Iowa. It is the start of the caucuses, and it is cold across the Hawkeye State. But the cure to turnout concerns is voter enthusiasm, and we have seen enthusiasm for all of the candidates. And Iowans aren't really that scared by the weather. As we told you, the NFL rescheduled their Buffalo game today because of cold and snow. Not here in Iowa. They don't let the weather mess with democracy or being the first in the country to cast their vote. It gets cold, yes. The wind chill tonight will hit negative 30, just like it did in 2019. Here's a picture of our, from our executive producer, Federico Quadrani. He took it during a trek to the Hawkeye State in 2019. It gets cold. It happens. But the smart folks, the very smartest folks, can't agree what the weather will do. Trump's rural older voters have farther to drive, but are more dedicated. Haley's suburban voters report less enthusiastic support in a Des Moines Register poll, but the roads are in better shape. As Steyerwald said, they're higher propensity voters. We could not make it to the four corners of Iowa, literally, because of the roads over the weekend. But we did make it to a rally. We thought it was important for each of the candidates. Whether it's the energy, the crowd size, the production levels, Trump events are just different. They're bigger, they're better, far larger crowd size. This is one of the smaller events that he's done. You can see uh, this is a few hundred people, and certainly not one of the kind of arena rallies we've been used to uh, from President Trump. What's different from 2016, and his supporters will tell you this, is that he's taking Iowa seriously in a different way. 2016, he didn't invest in the ground game. This time, they are. And you hear him talking right now about how important Iowa is is, we've said this before, both for his legal strategy and his campaign strategy to try and wrap up the nomination as quickly as possible. How does the, the feeling this time around change? How's it different? It feels like Trump has just really taken over the caucus. Uh, there's no competition for him. The only candidate excited about the polls right now and talking about them rather than explaining them is Nikki Haley. She has seen a meteoric rise, first in New Hampshire and now in Iowa, where she is second going into the caucus. Is she too nice for the Republican Party right now? Too nice? No. I think she's tough. She's been in the United Nations. She knows how to deal with work. Uh, international leaders. I don't, th- I don't think she's too nice. We're Iowans. We're nice anyway. So I like, I like people to be nice. Get excited! 
The question is, who are these voters? Are these traditional conservative Republicans? Or is there something else happening of Democrats and independents being willing to come out either an anti-Trump vote or a pro-Nikki vote? Something we asked her about. You saw perhaps the Axios reporting about Democrats and independents coming over for the Iowa caucuses. A lot of Iowans saying, hey, I'll register same day and switch to vote for Nikki Haley, maybe an anti-Trump vote. Do you welcome that? I do welcome it because we want to win a majority of Americans. That's why you see in every poll head to head with Biden, I crush Biden. I promise you our best days are yet to come. God bless you. Thank you very much. This is DeSantis's super PAC headquarters. That's the organization that's supporting them. They've got a lot of money. They started with $100 million. And they built out a fairly impressive, some would say extraordinarily impressive, ground game to get people actually out to the caucuses. If DeSantis is going to outperform the polls and have a ticket out of Iowa to anywhere other than back home, it's going to be because the folks in this room have gotten way more people out to the caucuses than the polls would show. What has surprised you the most about being a volunteer from Florida up in Iowa? You know, I don't know. I, I think I just the, the amount of organization you need to have an effective campaign in this state is really important. You know, in Florida, any campaign needs organization, but with the caucus system just requires it to such a greater degree. You've got to have very passionate supporters. You have to have a good plan, a great candidate, and a, a great message. The next president of the United States, Governor Ron DeSantis. Nobody has been more accessible on the campaign trail than Vivek Ramaswamy. From Iowa's state fair in the summer to now, during the caucus, he invited us on our bus. I've done more events than anybody else in this race. We've done over 390 events on the ground here in Iowa. This is one of the Ramaswamy events to bring folks in. Ramaswamy will tell us that this kind of crowd is something the pollsters are not picking up on, that he feels that there's enthusiasm for his campaign that simply isn't being seen or reported on by the media. There's people that I like and people that I don't like. Vivek is probably my top one, but I'm just concerned if if he's not able to pull it off, what the alternative is going to be. I think that we are going to deliver a massive shock on Monday night. I think the polls are drastically off, and I think that many of our supporters are staunch first-time supporters who haven't been to a caucus, who haven't been polled, and anybody who doesn't have their head in the sand sees what we're seeing. Live look at Trump's campaign headquarters. You saw in the video from Trump's rally folks wearing white Trump caucus captain hats. They have become the hottest political item now in this state. We only heard a bit of our interview with Nikki Haley there. She's running a primary race with a general election strategy. The question is, can she bring over enough independence to give Donald Trump a run for his money, not in Iowa, but on the trail? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Her polls are just going up. They're not going down. She's the only candidate with momentum over the last month. Her numbers are surging. Everyone else is in the backseat. Republicans want to win back the White House. Is Nikki Haley your best bet? Former South Carolina governor gaining new momentum. It is very clear who the most electable candidate is in every poll, not just the CBS poll. And that's Nikki Haley. The hottest interview in Iowa is Nikki Haley. She is the traditional Republican. In the media, they just love the idea of a Trump alternative storyline. And she is a Trump alternative. Some of her team comes from Marco Rubio's 2016 third place finish in Iowa, but Rubio won Iowa's suburban counties. Places like here in Des Moines, Polk and Dallas County, plus Scott Johnson in Story counties. Democrats and independents can become Republicans for a day to caucus for Haley, something that she will need to have happen in order to do well here. Not only to do well here, but to do well in New Hampshire and have a chance at the nomination down the primary fight. We caught up with her at a rally yesterday. Incredible rise over the past couple of weeks. Let's assume a New Hampshire victory. What's the plan from there? I mean, go in and, and make sure that we are doing strong in South Carolina. This is just about building. Our goal is to make today better than yesterday. That's it. So strong in Iowa, strong in New Hampshire, strong in South Carolina, and keep it going from there. And we think that's going to happen. I understand we've seen, and we've, as we talk to people around Iowa, the enthusiasm among a professional class establishment, you might say Republicans. How do you draw over, and that's, you know, establishment Republicans working class, professional Republicans, enough for second place in Iowa for sure, or in New Hampshire, or Hampshire win. How do you pull over working class Republican Trump voters? I mean, right now our focus is to try and win everybody, not a certain group, not a certain anything. I mean, Republicans have lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. I've said this over and over again. That's nothing to be proud of. We should want to win the majority of Americans. The only way you win the majority of Americans is if you have a new generational leader. 75% of Americans don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. They've made that very clear. What we're saying is we're going to go in with new solutions. Leave the negativity. Leave the baggage of the past. Leave the old names of the past. And let's go forward. That's what Americans want. They want that for their kids. They want that for themselves. They're tired of the chaos. You saw perhaps the Axios reporting about Democrats and independents coming over for the Iowa caucuses. A lot of Iowans saying, hey, I'll register same day and switch to vote for Nikki Haley, maybe an anti-Trump vote. Do you welcome that? I do welcome it because we want to win a majority of Americans. That's why you see in every poll head to head with Biden, I crush Biden. I crush Biden because right now, everything you hear me say in a Republican primary is going to be no different than what you hear me say in a general. We're trying to win everybody. And that's what the Republican Party should be doing, is to grow the tent, not not shrink the tent. And so I've always tried to say, I'm going to talk to everybody. I welcome everybody. Am I conservative? Yes. But if you listen to the issues I talk about, people are relating to those. That's what they want to fix. They're not happy with where we are. They don't want to go through four more years of chaos with Trump. And they want something new and fresh. And that's what we're trying to offer them. Fair, fair enough. And, and no doubt, it is, a, it is a general election message. Why do you think the electability issue, which you trounce any Republican on, doesn't quite make the case with some Republican primary voters? Well, we haven't had a caucus yet. We haven't had a primary yet. So, I mean, if you look in the polls that came out even yesterday, I'm the only one that goes up. Everybody else has gone down. 
So, I mean, if you look at it, everybody's trying to pull all these questions out of it. That's what they were saying when there were a dozen candidates and I was 2% in the polls. Now it's going into a head-to-head race going into New Hampshire, and they're going to find something else to talk about. For me, I take it one state at a time and focus on bringing in as many people as we can. That's it. Well... Look, and you're the only you're the only candidate in Iowa who's talking about the polls and not having to explain the polls, right? That's a good place to be in. We'll look we'll look really far forward. If you're the nominee, would you ask Donald Trump to be your VP? Well, I'm not going to think about who's going to be my VP yet, but in six months, I'll be happy to tell you. Who You'll be happy to have a conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. I think we caught her off guard a little bit on that politics reporter at the Hill, Julia Manchester, with us now, as well as David Drucker, senior writer for The Dispatch. Nice to see you both. Julia, you've traveled, you've talked. Uh, Is Nikki Haley's momentum a function of media creation or is she tapping into something? You know, I think it's a mixture of both. You know, you have the media, the coverage of that, but you also have this massive, um, you know, pool of resources she got from the Coke endorsement and that backing. That's been able to really catapult her up on air here in Iowa and New Hampshire. And up on air means television advertisement. Television there advertisement, we go. absolutely. And then also on digital advertisement. So that's helped her quite a bit. But, you know, one little tidbit I kept hearing over and over from talking to Republican sources here in Iowa today was that they feel that the polls are underestimating Ron DeSantis. Not underestimating, meaning they think he's going to win or even get second, but they think there's probably more momentum on the ground than what is we're seeing reflected in those surveys. David, and I'm looking now at some uh, thoughts attributable to the Haley campaign. This is now a two-person race between Nikki and Trump, and we're ready. They had been managing, shall we say, to be delicate expectations in Iowa for a long time. Now they're sort of seizing on this momentum. Do they risk that if she doesn't come in second, if she doesn't beat Ron DeSantis, if what Julia's talking about does exist, this extra DeSantis momentum, that they underperform? Well, look, my inbox has been flooded today with emails from both the Haley campaign and the DeSantis campaign trying to manage expectations, saying that the other one is going to underperform. When I interviewed Haley yesterday, she told me, we just want to be strong in Iowa. We won't know what strong is until we see the numbers. So, uh, but what I can tell you is I think that Haley can still afford to come in third as long as it's a respectable third-place finish, because everybody will say, well, of course, DeSantis had the ground game, and that was always going to make up ground, especially in this weather. I think she's right to try and frame this as a race against Trump, because he's the front-runner, and you don't win this without going at the front-runner. And she started to, right? In, in her stump speech, she talks about chaos follows Trump, and, and that appeals to this Democratic independent streak that she, she's going after. Julia, is there enough traditional Republicans, right, typically the the college-educated class of Republicans, to even if she gets all of them to take on Trump in primaries? You know, it's a good question. I mean... I, I think a lot of those college-educated Republicans though, that we talk about, some of them sort of have the soft support for Trump. I don't think they're necessarily all anti-Trump, but you know, I think it definitely gives her enough momentum to become a formidable challenger to Trump. It's been interesting to watch her in the suburbs of Des Moines and Ames, Ankeny, Clive, talking to some of these voters. And what's interesting, what was sort of reflected in that Des Moines Register poll was some of these voters that said they would vote for Haley also said they would be 
be interested, they, they would be willing to uh, vote for Biden as well, which was interesting. It was Haley, Biden, Trump, and they chose Haley and Biden over Trump. David, it- if you look at the Republican Party, I think it's one of the reasons, as much as people like to talk about why Iowa doesn't matter, or Iowa should be first, why it is sort of so reflective, especially among Republicans, of the nationwide makeup of Republicans. You've got rural, you've got urban, you've got professional working class here in Des Moines, Davenport, you've got college towns, and then you have really rural Republican voters. Who, who controls the Republican Party? Who controls the majority of the votes? Is it, is it a class divide, and is it the rule working class? Well, this for now is Trump's party until somebody proves otherwise. Now, for years, as you and I were growing up, the populists were always a part of the Republican coalition and an important part, but they were the junior partner in the coalition. And the suburban voters, the more establishment-oriented voters, they held sway. And what we've really seen over the past six, seven years or so is that flipped on its head. And any Republican that's going to win the nomination, at least this year, is going to have to eat into that populist uh, not necessarily all working class base, but that cultural populism that is so prevalent now throughout the kind of voter that you can depend on to show up in a primary. You, you've heard Haley's stump speech. It's way yeah. different than Donald Trump's. It's way different than Ron DeSantis. It's aspirational. It, it kind of is mom nice mm. a, a little bit. I, I, I said, you know, I, at the rally I was at, most of the volunteers were 20 different versions of my mother. And I say, <laughs> I say that loving my mother, but yeah. it, there was something, there was, a, there was a nice streak to it. And I'm wondering Julia, is her stump speech where she starts talking about girl dads and transgender bathrooms and on and on and on, is that enough to work into this populist lane? I don't think it is. Um, I think this lane that is populist, if they don't go to Trump, they're going to go towards DeSantis, and that's where I think DeSantis has this advantage. I think Nikki Haley is looking for that suburban female vote. Not every one of them is a Republican. Some of them may be independent. Some of them may be moderate Democrats, but she's running this general election strategy I don't think her top priority is this populist sector of the party right now. All right. Uh, we put up one thing. Campaign spending in Iowa. Trump, 18 million. Haley, 35.6 million. DeSantis, 33.3. Ramaswamy, 4.1. Uh, David, people get out of political races because either they run out of money or they're done being embarrassed. <laughs> uh, Who has the money to continue after this? Well, Haley definitely has the money to continue. Trump, no doubt, has the money to continue. Vivek Ramaswamy can keep running because he has personal wealth. And as long as he's willing to write himself checks, he can keep going. I think the question is, how much is left in the tank for DeSantis if he doesn't have the kind of showing that attracts more money? Sources tell me they've got New Hampshire paid for. The staff, the ground game, it's all the money's already been spent. But he's always had a resources problem in this race, and so I think for him tonight is particularly important. I had one pollster, independent pollster, tell me uh, that if I see any DeSantis staffers, I should urge them to cash their campaign expense report (laughs) checks now uh, rather than wait a week. Take for that what um, you will. When we come back, Bill O'Reilly joins us with his message of the day comparing Biden and Carter. In his words, Jimmy and Joe If Joe is so bad, why don't Republicans pick the person most likely to beat him? Bill O'Reilly himself will answer that question when we come back. She happens to be a globalist, by the way. I know her very well. She's not up to the job, okay? I can tell you that. Candidate. But Donald Trump is still favored to win tonight by a lot. 
as we like to say, never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up. Bill O'Reilly drew an eerily similar comparison to Jimmy Carter's campaign in 1980. Or as he put it in his message of the day, Jimmy and Joe. Carter couldn't get inflation under control. Prices in the economy are still a big issue. Neither can President Biden. Under Carter, Iran held 52 American hostages for a year. Today, Iranian surrogates are running rampant through the Middle East. Just in the past couple of hours, Iran claimed responsibility for a missile attack from Iran onto U.S. sovereign territory, which is the consulate in Erbil, Iraq. By any estimation, that is an act of war by Iran. And Carter's brother accepted money from Libya. Biden's son accepted money from China. Bill O'Reilly, anchor of the No Spin News, author of Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts, with us now. Bill, if Joe Biden is so terrible, and that is the, the primary goal of Republicans, to get him out of office, wouldn't they at least give a look to the person who has the best chance of beating him? No, because uh, the Republican um, MAGA people, which dominate the party like the progressive lefts dominates uh, the Democratic Party, they want an Avenger, not just a policy guy in office. And Trump promises that he will crush, as you just use that word, um, people who are embracing DEI, woke, uh, who did election stuff, whatever it may be. And Trump's going to go get them. And that is a wide appeal for many Republicans. Jonathan Martin in Politico, the most consequential fault line in this race and in GOP politics broadly is based on class. A working class divide with, uh, what, 60, 70 percent of that working class rule anger vote that you talked about, 30% maybe, uh, is the more college-educated, policy-based, doesn't so much want things avenged as they just want things fixed? Um, Yeah, but there are more of the folks, the blue collars, than there are of the uh, white collars because they have a tendency to vote Democrat, generalizing, of course. Um, But if you're looking at Donald Trump right now, Uh, I don't see any way he does not get the nomination um, unless there's a new scandal that nobody knows about because he's got the momentum. Um, His message is, I'll bring back the four years that I gave you, which were prosperous, which is true. And in addition, I'm going to get the bad guys. So I don't see Haley or DeSantis having a message that matches that. I I get that, but I'm wondering about the get the bad guys. I I get why it works in a primary, but you and I have talked about this. It it turns off even sort of Republican voters, even even sort of Republican in name and in feeling and in policy, but not in, what, anger? It turns off some people, um, but when Donald Trump goes in and says he's going to look at grants to colleges that practice anti-Semitism, that doesn't turn off most people. Huh? They know there's corruption at the, uh, at the university level. When he goes in and says, I'm going to take control of Washington, D.C. because it's an S-hole, 
Okay, I'm Muriel Bowser's going to get shunted aside. I'm going to stop yeah. the rampant crime. Remember, federal jurisdiction there. Now, most people aren't objecting to that. They're not going to object to it. But he is bombastic, and that alienates some voters. No, look, you, you, make it, you make a great point. There's, there's a lot of folks, even in D.C., who are talking about how <laughs> the difference back when Donald Trump was president. Uh, your books yeah, evidently have terrible. been pulled from some Florida schools. Bill O'Reilly killing Jesus, Bill O'Reilly killing Reagan. Um, you think Trump would put yeah. the, the books back on the shelf? Because I, I haven't heard from Ron DeSantis about this. Well, you know, this is a scandal. Just briefly, uh, Florida passed a law, and I supported the law that says you can't have explicit sexual content in school libraries. Okay, fine with me. But now uh, some loons up in uh, the northwest part of Florida, the Pensacola area, are pulling books out of the libraries from John Grisham, Stephen King, Anne Frank, Bill O'Reilly. Because that's what always happens. You give loons power in their school districts, They run wild. So we called DeSantis today and said, hey, we need a statement from you that this is wrong and you're going to stop it. Hmm. I got the big middle finger from Ron. That's what I got. Interesting. Uh, Does that make sense to you? I'm I'm confused because he's the guy who's going to have his war on what? No, it makes sense. Look. My job is to analyze them all in a fair way. Ron DeSantis is arrogant. Donald Trump is arrogant. Nikki Haley is arrogant. They're all arrogant. But DeSantis is more arrogant than Trump. Believe me, I know them. I don't know him very well. But I wasn't surprised because Ron's not going to get... What does he care about? Killing Jesus. He doesn't care. He got the law passed. It helped him. And now that the law is being abused, Ron doesn't want to go back and right the wrong. That's the kind of guy he is. People should know it. And by the way, when he gets hammered, when he gets hammered tonight, Leland, it's over for Ron DeSantis. He may not quit, but it is O-V-E-R. Over. There, 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 is the, there is the prediction. And with that, we say thank you, Bill, uh, as always. Uh, we'll look at the tape uh, on Monday about that prediction. We invite you to sign up for War Notes. Uh, has a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m., including uh, a what to look for here uh, in terms of what exactly to look for uh, on caucus night. Warnotes.com and subscribe at Leland Vittert on Twitter and on Instagram. Clock is ticking. The arguments have been made. Over $100 million has been spent. The first votes of the 2024 presidential race are moments away. The spin stops. The race starts when we come back. All right, let's talk about how tonight is going to go. Live pictures actually at an Iowa caucus site. The voting of 2024 has gotten underway. Folks walk in. They get a ballot, they listen to a couple of speeches of people representing the candidates, and they write down a name on a ballot. They actually write it down. They then take it up to the front. And at that point, the ballots are counted. 
right there in front of everybody, the results announced and then called in here to Republican headquarters. So that means that 45 minutes from now, we could get some results, which is great. And here's what to watch for. Something is really crazy is happening tonight. Haley wins any of the urban counties or a couple of them. That tells us that Haley has a very strong showing early on. Watch the rural counties. If Trump is up by 30, big news for Trump. Up by less than 10, big news for Ron DeSantis. And with that, the Iowa caucuses start. everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to News Nation's live coverage of the Iowa caucus. I'm lucky to be joined here. Elizabeth Vargas on one side, Dan Abrams on the other. We are locked and loaded and hoping for history. What's the question? Will the Iowa caucusers pick the eventual GOP nominee tonight? They haven't gotten it right since Y2K, 2000. So will it happen? Well, the night's already history making. Why? Weather. Coldest in four decades. One of the many big questions to be answered tonight on our watch. Will the caucusers brave the cold and on a holiday, no less? Remember, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. 